So, as I said last week, as, as much as you know, we're sad to say goodbye to our church family here at the cross, we couldn't be more excited about our upcoming mission to Spain. Now, with that said, Tim and I, we've already begun in our conversations and just talking about how we're excited for what the future looks like and our partnership with the cross, who obviously will be our, our church home and our sending church. And Tim has already talked about one day sending teams out to Spain to just help support us and further our ministry. We're already talking to some of our students who are trying to come visit us this summer. Hopefully that doesn't happen. <laughs> but I was just thinking, you know, it's, it's <laughs> I see Jesse shaking his head back there. It's going to be crucial, though, that uh, as a church, you know, that we at least have a foundation of the Spanish language if we're going to go to Spain. So real quick, let me assess where we are as a church when it comes to speaking Spanish. So number one, hola. Everybody's got that? That's a good start. Number two, adios. Okay. That means goodbye, in case you didn't know. Number three, donde está el baño? Enough said, I guess. And then, uh, number four, we'll throw in something spiritual. Uh, Dios te bendiga. God, God bless you. So I, I think it's important, if, if we're going to go to another country that speaks another language, that we have at least a, a foundation in the language. And ultimately, we can save ourselves a lot of trouble. For example, when I had the opportunity to actually study overseas during Bible college in the place in Spain where we'll be moving... My parents had the opportunity to visit us all the way from Indiana. While my parents were out there, we took them one day into the mountains. It was sort of a village in the middle of nowhere called Valdemosa. And there they served this amazing hot chocolate and these little pastries. And after we were finished eating and and drinking our hot chocolate, we were walking out of the cafe. And there were two sweet Spanish ladies working there. And I said something like, you know, gracias, adios, you know, thank you, goodbye. And my mom even attempted it and she nailed it. You know, she said, adios. And then my dad, he was the last one walking out of the cafe and his best attempt to say goodbye in Spanish. He looked at the two Spanish ladies and said, Oa. As they say in the South, bless his heart, right? Those poor Spanish ladies were so confused at that point. With that said, uh, we're going to share specifically with you this morning. Number one, we're going to talk about our story. Number two, we're going to talk about our calling. Number three, we're going to talk about some of our vision for the work we'll be a part of in Spain. And then number four, we'll talk about some of our specific needs. So to first talk about our story, I think, at least for me, it goes all the way back to high school. Many of you who know my testimony know that I grew up in Indiana where basketball was a big deal, and it was really my dream to play basketball, and I ended up getting hurt, and I developed chronic back pain early on in high school, which sidelined me from basketball, and at that point, I pretty much concluded that my dream for, for life was shattered. As a result, I began to really just blame God, and I completely turned my back on him at that point. The amazing thing, though, looking back, is that although I was 
deliberately running from God in that time. God was directly working on me. It started my sophomore year of high school where I had to take Spanish just to graduate. Some of the high schoolers in here understand the struggle. However, I found out very early on that I had a natural gift to pick up the language and I fell in love with the language. I just became a total Spanish nerd throughout high school. And by the end of high school, I had the opportunity my senior year to actually study abroad in Guatemala for three months and really start to master the Spanish language. So I graduated, and I was about to go to college at Indiana University, and even crazier, I, I had a, a close family friend who's kind of one of my, my grandpas, I call him. He approached me that summer, and he, he's a missionary. He does all kinds of mission work in Latin America, and he said, Trevor, uh, we had a, a spot open up last minute for someone to, to, to come on our missions trip to El Salvador, and we'll pay your way, but we know that you speak Spanish, and you would be a, a huge asset on the trip, so would you come with us? And, he didn't really know this at the time, but I considered myself an atheist. I, I hated the idea of God. I wanted nothing to do with any of the Christian work, but I saw it as an opportunity to uh, you know, practice the language. So I said yes, and I went, and it was just such an eye-opening experience because I was really bitter towards the idea of Christianity and God, and I wanted nothing to do with that whole part of it. However, looking back, I can see how God really was working. He really was beginning to open my eyes and shape my heart and, and really just mold me into the person that I would later on become through those experiences. I, I, I started doing a mission trip each summer throughout college where I'd go to a different third world country in Latin America. And I thought I was just being a, a good person, but I just, I, I loved the culture and the language and whatnot. Also during my time in college at Indiana University, I started studying Italian because it's very similar to Spanish. And I picked up Italian, so I thought I'll try Portuguese and picked up Portuguese and then studied some French. And looking back, I think this was all part of my master plan to graduate college, to climb the ladder all the way to the top, wherever the top is. However, thankfully, God had something so much bigger in store for my life than anything I could have ever imagined at that time. Thankfully, God has a way of bringing us to the end of ourselves. At age 22, about to graduate college, through a failed three-year relationship, through my life spiraling out of control through the college party scene and everything comes with that, I found myself at rock bottom. At that low point, thankfully I had the opportunity through another missionary friend to go down by myself to the Dominican Republic my senior year. And many of you know the story. I, I met a pastor. I was staying with a pastor and his family. And that first night he ended up talking to me and I shared my story and he asked if he could pray for me. And for the first time my heart was open. And right then and there he laid his hands on me and he, he prayed for me. And in that moment, blind eyes were open to see the beauty and the glory of Jesus Christ. Christ. I experienced his presence. I experienced his love. And he's, he's praying, man, fiery Dominican style at that point, just going off in Spanish. And he starts prophesying over my life. And I'm like freaking out partly at this point. And he said that, God, I believe that you're raising up this young man. 
And you're going to use his gift of language to go throughout the nations and preach your gospel to the multitudes. I thought he was crazy. (laughs) So there I was. I graduated college and decided, you know, I'll still pursue my, my dream to get into the business world. I got a job in medical device sales, which moved me down to Miami, Florida. And there I was, I was sort of making my way to the top about age 24, age 25. I lived in a 39th floor high rise in downtown Miami. And though it felt like I was starting to reach the top, I found myself emptier than ever before. I was still searching for something that I wasn't finding in all the success and in all the money and all the experiences and all the things. But thankfully, God was working in my life even in that season. My senior rep that I worked with every day just insisted that I had to come visit his church. And finally, one Sunday morning, I gave in and I showed up at his church. And that morning, the Lord got a hold of my heart. I decided that I was going to surrender, that I was going to become a a true disciple of Christ and follow his plan for my life. And soon after, I began to sense this, this calling to step out in faith, to leave the business world, and the next step would be Bible college. I decided to attend Calvary Chapel Bible College in Southern California. Right before that time, many of you know my story. I met a young lady who I thought was the one. We met through mutual missions and... We decided to get married right before I started Bible college, and long story short, a year into Bible college, we were married and divorced. That was no doubt one of the the hardest times of my life, yet also a time where I've never experienced the closeness and the, the intimacy of God in such a way. And as I started to finally get to the other end of that storm, it was a, a Friday morning chapel service at Bible College where the director of our Bible school approached me and he said, Trevor, we've watched you walk through this, this tough time in your life. We've watched you go through it faithfully. And I'm not saying I was, I was perfect at, at any point, but at the end of the day, it was out of my control. It was against my will. And there the, the director of our Bible school said, we've been praying about it and we want to offer you a scholarship to, to finish up your last semester out in Mallorca, Spain and also be able to serve out there and, and use your ability to speak Spanish. It was one of those moments for me where I once heard a pastor say, some of you just need to stop praying already and start obeying. It was one of those moments where I just kind of knew it was from God. It was a door that he had opened, so I didn't even have to pray about it. I'm just like, yes, when do we go? I remember... Uh, before I went to Spain, I, I, I didn't know what to expect because I was still in such a, a dark and hopeless place. So I started to research this place. I found out that Mallorca, Spain, anybody ever heard of Mallorca? I, I hadn't. I wondered where in the world is Mallorca. So I looked it up and here's a map right here. Mallorca is an island off the east coast of Spain. Now, there was an existing Calvary Chapel church out there and an affiliate Bible college campus. The pastor of this church, he was originally from Mallorca. 
And as a kid, he was actually raised in the States. Then he moved over to the UK as a missionary, met his wife, Loretta, who is from Italy. Then the two of them moved over to Mallorca over 10 years ago to plant this church in Santa Ponza. This was an English-speaking church, though, which was interesting. They, they focused on reaching specifically just the, it's a very diverse population, the, the European population there in Mallorca. Now, looking back, to really summarize my experience in Mallorca, number one, it was a time of incredible healing and restoration for my soul. There was a promise that I just continued to cling to in Isaiah chapter 43, where God says, do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old, for behold, I will do a new thing. That is exactly what God did in my time out there. Another highlight, though, of my time in Mallorca was I had the opportunity with a a team of students. There were a couple other native Spanish speakers out there to serve out there. I was really drawn to just the the diverse population. There were people from literally all over the world on this island. So with my background in languages, on any given day, I could speak Spanish, Italian, Portuguese, French, English. I mean, just a perfect place. No coincidence that God had me there. But our our mission specifically when we were there was to infiltrate the the capital city of Palma. Palma was a city where their population is just over 400,000 people. It's a pretty big city. It makes up almost half of the island's population. In our time there, we started a a home group with the existing believers where basically we we would come together once a week and and we would have, you know, we would do church together. We would do life together in just a, a home setting Once a week, we took part in a a homeless ministry where we would hit the streets in Palma and preach the gospel to the homeless and the broken and the desperate. And once a week, this was really my my main highlight during my time there. We would hit the streets of Palma, this, this main plaza kind of where all the young people gathered, and we would just do street evangelism. We would approach groups of young people, teenagers and young adults, and just tell them who we were. You know, obviously a young, tall American speaking to them in Spanish piqued their curiosity, so I at least had their attention, and you know, we would get to the point where we would just ask them what they believed and come to find out that these kids had just been so disenfranchised from the church, from the idea of religion, from the empty tradition that they had seen in the generations before of Roman Catholicism. However, we discovered that deep in their hearts, just like in our hearts, there was just a, a starving in there for a real sense of meaning and purpose in life, a real sense of fulfillment and satisfaction, a real sense of hope in life. It blew us away to to meet individuals and sometimes even groups of young people who would respond right then and there on the streets, who would pray to receive Christ on the spot. But then from there, it, it absolutely crushed my heart to realize that we didn't have anywhere to send these kids because there was no presence of the church there. In talking to the pastor and his wife, They said that it had been their dream for many years to see a church planted in in the heart of Mallorca, in the capital city of Palma. And they had been praying for years that that God would send someone to come alongside them and to help lead this work. And they said, Trevor, we believe that you're the guy for it. 
So I remember thinking to myself, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll do this. You know, I'm, I've got to go home first and, and kind of regroup, but, you know, I'm, I'm going to go back. And this is, this is a dream that's always been in my heart. I got home and I remember I, I decided like, I really need to seek the Lord and make sure this is a true calling from him. And one of those first days back, I just opened my Bible randomly to Romans chapter 15. And I came across this verse in verse 20, Paul says, and so I have made it my aim to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build on another man's foundation. Then jumping down to verse 23, But now, no longer having a place in these parts and having a great desire these many years to come to you, whenever I journey to Spain, I shall come to you. So right there, it was like God spoke very specifically and he was confirming that this was a call from him to to go to Spain and, and like Paul said here, to preach the gospel to a generation who had not heard the gospel. So I began to, to research some of the stats, what was happening in, in Mallorca and in Spain, and it crushed me to learn that less than 1% of the Spanish population is Christian. While culturally they would claim themselves to be a Catholic people, the vast majority at this point would say, I'm either agnostic or even atheist. Like, God is irrelevant at this point. But then I read a, another article that came from ChristianNews.com, and this is what it says. Spain, although a cemetery for missionaries, is a breeding ground for the gospel. Right then and there, I was sold. I had a burning desire in my heart to go back to Spain and preach the gospel to a generation who had not heard it. However, as many of you know, I had just a quick detour to take in Georgia. It was my plan to come down here and knowing Tim and Barb for many years, Tim had been a family friend and kind of a mentor at a distance. We decided I would come down and do a quick summer internship and then return to Spain that fall until I met Brittany. (laughs) Thanks a lot for screwing up my plans, Brittany. I mean, you could go back and ask Tim and Barb. They, they saw me in the, those initial conversations. I, I couldn't shake it. It was so obvious that God had brought her into my life. I mean, she had just returned from Argentina. She taught a summer of English as a second language over there. She had been literally all over Latin America doing short-term missions work, even all the way over to India. She had such a heart for Jesus. She had such a heart for people, for other languages, for other cultures. I came to, found out to, I came to find out that she came from even just generations of missionaries, She was born herself in Venezuela. Her parents were down there serving as missionaries at the time. And both sets of her grandparents were missionaries, one in Colombia, one in Venezuela. And her grandma, even, they they went in through New Tribes Missions to an unreached people group in the Amazon. And they actually created a spoken language for this indigenous people and then translated that into their first copy of the Bible. Pretty cool stuff. I just saw that this was just, this was ingrained in, in who she is. And around that same time, Tim approached me and said, Trevi, 
basically there was an opportunity for me to, to step in and become the student pastor. So one thing led to another. It was just so clear that this is where God had directed my steps. So I said yes and jumped in fully and we've, we've, embraced, we've embraced it every step of the way. Looking back over these last three and a half years, I can say it has been a time of just exponential spiritual growth for me personally, for Brittany, so much wholeness and, and freedom that we found in Christ just working with, with Tim and the leadership here and our family here. It's been a time where we've really got to just grow in real everyday life ministry experience. We've learned that ministry is messy, but at least we have a a grasp for what real life ministry actually looks like. And we've grown so close to our church family here and especially to our students. We've discovered that we really do have just such a passion for reaching and raising up the next generation. While I know we would be so content to just stay here indefinitely and continue the work here, It was this past October where we really began to feel God's call. So last October, I was at a wedding for my best friend. And he told me that for their honeymoon, they were actually going out to Mallorca, Spain, the island where I was in Bible college. So I was telling him, well, you got to try to meet up with some of my connections out there. And, you know, I gave him the pastor's email and told him where the church was. So they decided one day on their honeymoon that they were going to go check out the church. And they went there, knocked on the door. The church was locked. Nobody was there. So they kind of just gave up. And they were walking around the town and they were looking for a specific restaurant and ended up approaching some random lady on the street. And His wife spoke Spanish, so she asked the lady in Spanish, you know, where is so-and-so restaurant? And and the lady was like, I'm so sorry, but I only speak English. They're like, well, so do we. She's like, well, I'm a a missionary. My husband are here from California. They're like, oh, really? Well, do you know the pastor from the church up the hill? She's like, yeah, that's why we came here. We serve with the church here. No way. We're looking for Pastor Raph right now. She's like, well, crazy thing. My, my husband is eating lunch with him right now. Like, they're just like a block away. Just go down there and this is what he looks like. He's a small Spanish man and just say Raph. And so they, they, they went to the restaurant and, and Raph was leaving at that point. And my, my friend yelled, Raph. Raph turned around like totally freaked out. My friend was like, my best friend is Trevor from Indiana. And Raph very wittingly responded, I'm very sorry to hear that. (laughs) Thanks a lot. But it was in that moment, my friend, he actually sent me a picture of his wife and Raph. They were all together. And I don't know what it was, but when I saw that picture, it was was like the Holy Spirit just began to, to overwhelm me. It was like almost like it just slapped me in the face. And it was like, this is what the next step looks like. It's time to go back to Spain. I was like, what? Part of me didn't want to believe it, so I I just kind of brushed it aside. And then that next day, I was reading a book at the time by David Platt called Radical Together. And he references Romans chapter 15, one of the chapters. And I remember looking up Romans chapter 15 because I just wanted to kind of get a feel for the context of what Platt was talking about here. And I open up my Bible to Romans 15. 
I had completely forgotten about the, the previous verse that God had used like three years before this moment. And I came across Romans fifteen twenty again. It says, and so I have made it my aim to preach the gospel. And I kept reading down to verse 24, not where Christ was named. And he says, whenever I journey to Spain, I shall come to you. And right then and there, I I just, I felt just this confirmation that I had heard from the Lord and that he was speaking very specifically about this being our next step. I went up to Brittany when she got home that night and I'm like, how was your day? She's like, good. And how was yours? I'm like, oh, it's exciting. And let me tell you about what happened. I was reading a book and I felt like God spoke to us specifically and we're supposed to go move overseas to Spain. How does that sound? She was actually really excited and totally embraced it. So we decided, well, let's, let's start praying about it. Just, just really seek the Lord. After almost a year of praying specifically about this opportunity, we've felt that, that God has just pointed us overwhelmingly in this direction. So Tim and I spoke you know, month, months back and just kind of gave him a heads up like, this, this conversation is premature. We're not going anywhere right now, but just wanted to kind of let you know long-term, we're thinking that you know, our, our next step is going to be us, go, us going into the missions field. And he was incredibly supportive, and it's something that he's always seen in, in both of our hearts. So we told him, you know, we'll, we'll keep you posted. But this summer rolled around, and Brittany and I were really starting to get serious about it. So I said, you know, Brittany, you haven't been there yourself. You need to at least see it for yourself and and meet the church family out there and the pastor and his wife. So sure enough, this June, we booked a trip, and we showed up. And that first night, we sat down with the pastor and his wife. Granted, we hadn't mentioned anything about us actually moving back over there to serve. We just said, hey, we're going to come back out for vacation and just reconnect with all y'all out there. And we sat down and before we had said anything, the pastor looks at us and he said, so when are you guys moving to Spain? Kind of caught us off guard. He cut straight to the chase. And, you know, we started talking about how we've been praying about it. And we really felt like God was moving us in this direction. And at the end of the conversation, he said something that since then has just really been cemented into our hearts. And he said, nothing ventured, nothing gained. We returned home this summer from Spain. And we just felt like we were as confident as you possibly could be at that that point that this was God's call and the next step was for us to respond in in faith and obedience and start taking the practical steps. So we talked to Tim about it and we let him know, hey, this is is our plan. You know, we're going to be here at least for another six months and and make sure that this transition goes as, as solidly as possible. But we feel like now is the time There's a sense of urgency for us to to go back to Spain and and to reach this next generation who doesn't know about the gospel. Tim was just so encouraging and supportive in that conversation. We realized then and there that that they have our backs, that our church family has our backs. So we started taking the next step. Over the last few months, we've obviously been thinking and praying a lot about, you know, what, what life and ministry is going to look like over there. And, you know, we've, we've come up with some vision of what the work will look like when we're there. The pastor asked us specifically when we get back to, to really build a team and, and help lead this church plant in the city of Palma. 
So I think, you know, just, just looking at, at our heart and our vision, our mission statement comes right out of Romans chapter 15, and it's this, to reach and raise up the next generation of unreached through the grace and truth of the gospel in the context of the local church. Now, as idealistic as this mission statement might sound, we, I think we're both pretty well aware of the fact that there's a very tough road that lies ahead of us. If we're going to be honest for a moment, we have really no clue what we're getting ourselves into. We've never been full-time missionaries overseas. We've never been a part of a church plant overseas. But I think there's one thing that is reassuring to us. Through our experience here over these last three and a half years, before we got into youth ministry, we had no stinking clue what we were doing. However, if, if we've learned anything, it's been just this, this daily vision for life that has really just grounded us and guided us each moment of each day, every step of the way. And that is just the, the vision that Jesus lays out in John chapter 15, where he says, abide in me and I in you, and you will bear much fruit. That is his promise. So even though we have no clue what we're doing, we realize the importance every day of hanging with him in the moment, trusting in him, clinging to him, depending upon him for our every step. And at the end of the day, he's the one who will guide us and direct us. He's the one who will produce the fruit from our lives and from our ministry. So we can rest at the end of the day, as overwhelming as this seems, that as we abide in him, we will bear much fruit. With that said, of, of course, it is God we know who's going to be the one to really direct our steps. But in the meanwhile, we make our plans, right? So our plan, what, what does that look like? When, when we arrive, we're going to immediately reconnect with the existing church there, our, our church family there, and we'll start serving there in, in the local church. Within three months, the goal is to relaunch the home group that we had going before in the city of Palma with the, the group of existing believers there. We'll meet on a weekly basis. We'll eat and fellowship and hang out. We pray together. We worship together. We study God's word together. We'll immediately pick back up the, the homeless ministry every Saturday morning. And what I'm really excited about is to get back out onto the streets and start reaching and connecting with the next generation of youth and young adults. With the leadership and the direction of the pastor and his wife, and with a team of people from the existing church, our goal will be to find a space in the heart of Palma, the capital city, and eventually plant a church that'll meet every Sunday right there in the capital, whose heart and mission will be to infiltrate the next generation with the gospel of Jesus. Just like our vision here is at the church, our vision there as a church body will be to reach, teach, train, and send to make disciples in Spain and beyond. So as, as I close now, I'm going to ask, Brittany, if you would just come up here. I, I want them to see my beautiful wife as well because Tim's stalling her. He had to give her a pep talk apparently. You got this, Brittany. Here she is, my beautiful wife, Brittany. She's a, yeah, go ahead. 
she's, she's just as much a, a part of this thing as, as I am. So I wanted to bring her up here and just kind of share specifically about some of our needs. It's been so encouraging throughout this process because we've been able to see God just move overwhelmingly in each and every detail that goes into this big next step. For example, with the, the visa process, we scheduled our visa appointment down in Miami like three months in advance. We thought that would give us plenty of time to gather all the paperwork. A lot of it had to come from Spain. However, they told us in August that their government shut down. They just peaced out for the whole month for holiday and basically told us like, it's not looking good for you guys to to make this appointment. You're not going to have your paperwork, but there's another appointment in February. But we, we decided we were going to pray about it and just, just trust God anyways. And long story short, our paperwork showed up the week of our visa appointment. We showed up down in Miami with all the paperwork. They accepted it. They processed it. And then literally like three weeks later, we received the visa approval. So, but God, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then even with other details like, our plane ticket. This is another amazing example of how we just seen God move in the details. Once we got our visa approval like two weeks ago, we knew that we had to start looking for plane tickets. You only have 90 days to get into the country now. So Brittany checked one night and a one-way ticket was $2,600. So of course, what do we do? We freaked out. And then like a good missionary would, I was like, Brittany, we should probably like pray about this, right? <laughs> so we prayed. That next morning, we woke up and I was already gone and Brittany called me early that morning and she said, you're not going to believe this, but I checked the flights before work and they were at 2600 last night and this morning they're down to $343. <laughs> I was actually sharing um, in the, the 55 and up group last week with uh, Michael Dean and, and their small group. And we shared this story. And after, after the, the presentation, um, one of the couples from the group came up and he said, you know, your, your story just, just really touched me. And I just want you to know that my wife and I are going to play or sorry, pay for your plane tickets. He handed us a check right then and there. We've just been blown away by God's faithfulness throughout this process and by the generosity of our church family. So to close it up now, I would ask that uh, you open up your bulletins. We've put these little inserts in each of your bulletins. This basically is a, a missions partnership card. And on the front, we've, we've highlighted two specific ways to give you guys an opportunity to commit to partnering with us. The, the first way you guys can partner with us is to become a, a prayer partner where through our website and through regular email, we'll send you updates on the ground of what's going on, how you can be praying specifically for our lives, for our marriage, for our ministry, for the difficulties and et cetera. We realize now, we, we've hung out with Mike and Terry Esposito a lot who've, who've been missionaries for a long time and and they told us, I, I know initially you're going to be freaking out about the funds, but just trust us. God is faithful. God does provide. But when you're actually in the missions field, the one thing you're going to need above anything else is people who are committed to the work of prayer. 
Jeremiah 33, 3 says, call to me and I will answer you and I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. So we value a a team of people, our church body rallying behind us and committing to prayer on our behalf. Number two, the second way that you guys can commit to partnering with us is to commit as a financial partner. I've laid out on the back the, the how to give, and I'll go through all those directions, but our, our church as, as a whole, Tim and our leadership has been incredibly supportive of us. They've, they've already committed, and they're going to just bless us with a huge um, chunk of money that will, that will be on a monthly basis, so we are just humbled and grateful for the, just the support and generosity of our church. However, we're also asking and praying that our church family would, would begin just to pray and, and seek the Lord about considering becoming a partner with us financially and investing in our lives and in our ministry going forward. So what we would ask is that you would just take this card home, you don't have to fill anything out today, and that you would just begin to pray, begin to seek the Lord, and really begin to ask Him. And if, if he does, if he moves in your heart, we, just, we challenge you just to respond in faith and obedience, whether it's committing to, to be a part of our prayer team or financial team or both. At, at some point, you would just bring this back, um, get the information you need from it, and then drop it back into um, the offering bucket because, you know, we obviously have needs. Um, our specific budget will be $3,300 a month, and that will cover both our, our personal costs and our ministry costs. However, it will be very helpful to us if we at least have an idea and kind of project ahead that we're going to have some sort of steady income and, and be able to form our budget around that. So looking on the back, it, it breaks down how to give, and you know, there's three obvious ways. You can mail a check to EquipNet directly. Make sure you read the directions there. There's some really important details, but I'm trying to close this thing up already. This baby's ready to go. Number two, you can give online directly through EquipNet.org, or you can go directly. He's excited about giving directly online. Number three... You can also give through our website. We're going to have our own little missionary website that's launching officially today. Yay, tell your friends about it on Facebook. Um, You can can, uh, donate through there, and you can also follow our blog and updates, everything that's going on. Um, When you get to the the website, though, it'll ask you, do you want to do a one-time gift or recurring donation? We're we're humbled and grateful for, for anything that God would put on your heart. However, we would ask for, for some of you to really consider committing to long-term, short, or I guess uh, smaller financial contributions so that we can, we can at least have some idea of, you know, what, what our income might look like over the next period of six months in, in a year so that we can plan accordingly. With that said, it's, it's time for us to, to wrap it up already, and we thank you in advance for just... Um, you know, praying and, and considering partnering with us going forward. But we do really just want to thank you right now from the bottom of our hearts for you guys' continued love, for your support in us, for your investment in us over these past few years. It is a, a very bittersweet moment to, to look out over our church family and get, get ready to say goodbye. But we know that 
this will always be our church home and we look forward to, to coming back each and every time we visit and, and sharing all the good news of what God has been doing in and through our lives. So we love you and, and we thank you guys from the bottom of our hearts.